outreach works but not with website when you're in the website industry there is no quantitative results yes you can say bounce rate yes you can say you increase conversions but there's no direct correlation on the website right you know so it's very hard to sell websites with a very limited amount of time and on top of that design is very subjective so not every single client will like your, your website that you send them you know via cold email Welcome to Webflail, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the greatest failures behind the greatest webflowers, because success is built on foundations of failure. I'm your host, Jack Redley, your failure connoisseur. Today, my guest is Shay Sarmad, the CEO of Pristine Digital and co-founder of YouTube channel TalkFlow. In today's episode, we go deep. We talk about why cold emailing prospects is bullshit doing the basics well to land jobs, and how to leverage your work. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. Truth bombs dropped. So, embrace and learn from failure in episode 7 of Webflail with Shay Sarmad. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you very much, Jack. It's a pleasure to be here. Excited to you know, just have a chill chat about Webflow and my failures. So, sure. And I was going to ask you about that. So what is the first failure that you remember? I, would, I don't know if it was my first failure because I don't really track them, to be honest. Who does? When I first got started into Webflow, the first ever project that I'd done was my own agency website. So I, des- I didn't design it in Figma at all. So I just jumped in Webflow and uh, designed it there, which is, I don't recommend anyone doing that. But yeah, so I remember I developed inside of Webflow. I thought the design was sick. And I remember there's this channel, this YouTube channel called A Nerd's World. You know, the owner, he owns a web design agency in Canada, but he works with WordPress. And yeah, he had a, like a Discord channel that I was part of. Just people talking about website design and whatnot. And there was one channel where you can show your work. So I showed my first ever project and I thought it was going to be sick. I thought it was going to be all over me saying, bro, this is so sick. <laughs> and then unfortunately, <laughs> reality hit me. And yeah, everyone, not everyone, but... There was a lot of people that said, what the hell is this, this and that, the colors are off, the contrast ratio. I remember a lot of people were bugging out about the contrast ratio. <laughs> said, oh, you can't read the text, the color's too bright, stuff like that. And I was like, I looked at it after, I was like, what the hell? I thought, I, I'm really proud of this, man. Like, why doesn't anyone like it? I mean, I t- obviously, like anyone, I was like, oh, shit. But then after a while, I was like, you know what? People don't mean, you know, people don't have malicious intent when they say this kind of stuff. So it's just feedback, you know, honest feedback. So I use that feedback to kind of improve. Um, I think from that point onwards, I never took any criticism as a personally. I literally just took it as, okay, this is feedback. This is how I can improve. And this is how I learn from it pretty much. Yeah, I think learning to take criticism is one of the most important and unspoken skills that web flowers have or don't. I think mm-hmm. most of the time people are coming from the place of, I'm trying to help. And this isn't what it could be type thing, especially on Discord, because I've, I've put stuff on Discord groups and there's some savage, <laughs> there's some cutting criticism. I there think are, uh, yeah. there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there that, you know, are willing are. to take you down. But mm-hmm. you're obviously really young and, um, you know, you've grown this agency to five people now. Can you tell us a little bit about your path into actually using Webflow? Oof, okay. Um, yeah, I talked about this in my first ever talk for episode. There was a lot of like up and downs for me. It wasn't like, okay, I started this business and then, you know, just went smooth sailing upwards. I started this when I was 17, so I'm 20 now. So I started fairly young. I was still in school, you know, for the people in the UK, Jack, I'm sure you know, I was in sixth form, year, year 13. This was 
February 2020. So I was 17 at that time. I'm born in March. So it was literally one, one month before my 18th birthday. That's when I started it. So I started learning HTML CSS. So the, the thing that kind of gave me the activation energy to start was I was in sixth form. I was doing biology, chemistry and maths for my sixth form subjects and I was kind of ahead on like in in terms of the content wise and I was kind of ahead of my exams I was a fairly academic I would like to say so I was a bit bored to be honest and as no any normal 17 17 year old what they would do is just binge watch Netflix play some you know games PS4 whatnot I was a person a lot of I think for me for, for people my age they'll understand there's a bunch of different things that people do it's either they play a bunch of games they hop out a lot with their friends or they just binge watch Netflix. And I was a person who used to binge watch Netflix and YouTube all day. So that, I was, that was me. I never really used to play games or whatnot. But yeah, I was binge watching a lot of Netflix. And naturally, I was like, what am I doing with my life? I think one point, that's what I said to myself, what am I doing with my life? So I'm, I was 17 thinking like this. And before this, I started, I had a lot of other businesses before that obviously failed. Um, I had like a drop shipping business that failed. I used to set cat litter mats. So um, I used to sell those, got like two sales, uh, three sales, two of them, um, their child or their kid accidentally bought it. So I had to refund them. So I only got one sale at the end. But um, at 17, when I was sitting there, because a lot of stuff failed, I was like, you know what? I need to learn a skill. I need to learn a hardcore skill that I can use and it can, you know, help me, you know, make some money over time. So I needed a high income skill. So I went on YouTube like any normal person would and I found website design. There was a lot of other stuff like dropship or whatnot, but I already been through that. So I kind of ignored it. So I wanted, you know, hard, you know, um, skills that I can learn. And uh, Ali Abdal, he mentioned to everyone, uh, he mentioned on one of his YouTube channels that he recommends everyone to learn HTML CSS, which is, you know, the base coding language of the web. So I took his advice, started learning it. And then eventually, you know, naturally, I went on YouTube, started searching mobile websites, and I came across a nerd's world. He was the first person to kind of spark this interest of starting an agency. So he had an agency. And I remember the first video that I watched of him was a Q&A. And in that Q&A, there was a person that mentioned, oh, Chris, you know, the um, nerd's world agency owner. Uh, Chris, you've helped me so much. I'm making like 100K a month right now. I really appreciate you. And yeah, I was like, what the hell? He's making 100K a month building website? I was like, damn. So I started delving more and more and more into it. And then eventually, I, bear in mind, at this point, I bought a course on Udemy to learn HTML and CSS. It was like £12, so it was very cheap. There was a point, I never built any fully-fledged websites using HTML and CSS. I just built like certain sections. And then I thought I was good enough to actually build a website. And then I went on YouTube again, and I stumbled across Webflow. I'm not sure if it was an ad of Webflow or if it was one of Flux Academy's videos. I believe it was a Flux Academy video, you know. So Ryan, I, I watched um, a video of him. He was talking about Webflow. And it was quite interesting. Straight away, I signed up and I thought, you know what? This is so sick. Like, um, I've, this entire time, I've been hard coding HTML CSS, but I can just do this visually. So I was like, you know what? That's a no-brainer. So I signed up. Literally, ever since then, that's the only platform I've ever used. Never touched WordPress. Never touched any other platform. So yeah, that's how I stumbled across Webflow. Tell me about your first failure. You rejected projects due to internal values yeah so with that there was a lot of projects in the beginning of my career that i had to just reject but internal values is so i'm muslim you know um so i have there's a lot of stuff you know that i couldn't really do for example i don't drink alcohol i don't smoke i don't do any drugs i don't do nothing so that and those are not allowed you know in 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 my religion and whatnot and i hold it very close to my heart for religious reasons pretty much and my religious reasons make my kind of internal values 
does that make sense so whenever I see so I had a, a bunch of like companies in the beginning that couldn't I couldn't really do and even now literally like two three days ago there was a company who invests in cannabis companies and I had to reject them you know so I don't work with companies that are like alcohol that do anything related to alcohol you know drugs or recreational drugs at least or um you know adult stuff you know like i had a i had a, I had a website uh, project uh, i think a year ago wanting me to build a sex toy website so <laughs> i said no straight away i had like a bunch of alcohol companies reach out i said no so like those projects i kind of had to reject and there was a few that were very high budget that would have like undoubtedly have been a banging portfolio piece but i said no due to internal reasons so um yeah there's there's a lot of projects i missed on a lot of money that i left on the table but it was all for good reasons so um obviously there's a little bit of like that pit in the stomach saying oh like you missed out on money but at the end of the day it always pays off you know i feel like the person that literally just takes on every single project or literally does anything they want without you know having an anchor of internal values or beliefs is is a bit empty for me i feel like you every single person always should have some inter- internal values and beliefs to kind of hold and kind of have an anchor or, or compass rather a, a moral compass rather you say to kind of guide you through you know your business life and also your personal life as well so I kind of use my moral compass to guide me in my personal life as well as my business life so so yeah that, that's pretty much it to be honest it's like I had to reject a couple of projects. That's really interesting though that you had such a firm moral compass even at such a young age to reject mm-hmm big money there seems to be this mm-hmm. kind of hype on twitter and face you know the webflow facebook group and stuff where people say how do i get a 10k client how do i get a 10k client 10k client and it's never like the type of client that's specified it's never like a 10k environmentally conscious client or whatever mm-hmm. it is. like 10k mm-hmm. right I'm, I'm looking at the big fish here that's yeah. what i want to get and it's interesting that you recognize your compass before you know getting that like dollar signs in your eye type thing do you have like a, a kind of home-based document on your team files that's like, these are our values and we do not stray from them? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what advice would you give to a freelancer that's so hungry for a big money project and is willing to do whatever project as long as there's the money there? Yeah, I think um, in terms of, I don't really have like an internal document, like, oh, I have my values. It's more personal. I feel, and I think there's kind of, in in business a lot like you said a lot of people want that 10k client a lot of people want to make 10k month, 100k a year whatnot there's more like productivity and like the way of life but i feel like if you just get the basic fundamentals right stop drinking stop smoking stop you know wasting time stop doing this stop doing that i feel like once you get your foundational things right like start um, you know being present if you want to meditate meditate if you want to pray pray start you know focusing on your health you know focusing on what you consume but by consumption i mean like the content that you consume and also the food that you consume, everything that you consume. So once you start focusing on those foundational things, everything else will fall into place. You can start getting the 10K client. Go with your gut feeling. Like if you feel like something is like the project is not, is just not a good fit for you, just just uh, don't do it. For me, my reasons are religious. And the majority of my team are Muslim like myself as well. So they all, all of my team understands. And also on top of that is like when people want these 10K projects and they're willing to do anything for it, it's not even about like the type of client that they get. Like they don't care about the client. It's not even just that. It's like they also are willing to do anything in themselves to get the client as well. So they're willing to lie. They're willing to hide the truth with the client. They're willing to, you know, kind of inflate their numbers with the client to get the client. Um, so for example, you can say, yeah, we got a team of 50 people when in reality it's only you. Or yeah, we got like a portfolio of 500 million items when it's only five. You know, so it's like, it's also that as well. That is part of your moral compass as well. Like knowing that you have to be transparent with your clients. You can't, you know, have a form of deception. You have to kind of 
tell your clients what they're getting themselves into because at, at the end of the day, they're the one who's giving their hard, hard-earned money to you and trusting you. And I'd circle back to also what you said about just getting the fundamentals down in terms yeah. of like your personal life with health, eating right, etc. But also getting the fundamentals of Webflow down. Like so many people are like, how do I get a 5K client? How do I get a 10K client? Exactly. Like, what is your class naming system? Do you even have the fundamentals down yourself to mm-hmm. even be charging mm-hmm. those type of numbers? Like what value are you bringing to the client if you're not? So if there's anyone out there watching who's like, I want to get a 10K client, how do I do it, Chase? I think I'd back him and just say, maybe that's the wrong question to ask yourself if yeah. you're starting out or even I down the so. line, like, you know, what value yeah. are you providing to who? Yeah, I think though having some kind of internal document, I've worked for a couple of different agencies and they have like a home-based document, which is like, these are the mm-hmm. type of people that we want to hire and these are the oh, type right. of clients that we want to work with, which I think is quite an interesting thing to do as well. So yeah, even yeah. if you're a freelancer who's listening now, then um, I'd recommend doing that as well. It's quite a useful mm-hmm. thing to do. It doesn't really sound like that's a failure at all, though, Chase, your first one. This is the first time this happened on the Webflow podcast where someone says a failure that's really not a failure at all in my head. But I mean, um, when you see, once you look at all the facts, this is not really a failure. Too, really. <laughs> Tell me about failure number two, then. You got sued by one of your first clients. Oof. 17. I feel like this is going to be a gut-wrencher. Uh, this one is messed up, man. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this was like one of my first ever projects. Probably like my second or third. It was for a lawyer, right? I'm not going to name names, but it's a lawyer, right? It was a law firm, actually, in uh, London. What happened was pretty much I got the client. It was pretty much a fluke, right? Like, I remember at the beginning of, the, of, of my career, I used to do, you know, outreach a lot. Obviously, I don't do that anymore because it's bullshit and it doesn't work. Anyone that's watching, never ever do outreach. But um, yeah, I used to do a lot of outreach on Facebook. By the way, I've sent thousands of emails, outreach emails, cold emails, outreach messages on Facebook. Only one of them converted and that was from pure luck. So I messaged this random lady on Facebook. She happened to own a law firm and she happened to, you know, wanting to find a website builder at that time. So we hopped on a call, she agreed to a price. It was all right. I think it was something around £1,100. That was, a, that was good for my, like, my first ever projects um, or second. And yeah, so pretty much I didn't have my processes straight as usual because this is your first ever client. You don't really know what you're doing. So I thought, you know what? This is easy. £1,100, easy, man. I can just literally just get grab a template on Webflow, 50 bucks, tweak it up to match your content and colors, easy peasy. So that's what I'd done. At the end, she was like, yeah, I like it. It's all right. Yeah, like she was, she was happy with it. She was content with it. She was satisfied. And um, yeah, I just sent it off to her. And then the thing is, she said, oh, there's no content in it. There's no copy. I told her, listen, I told her from the beginning, even on the contract, at least I had a contract at the time. So in the contract, I told her, I'm just going to be doing the website for you. In terms of your copywriting on content, I can't do that for you. I am not a lawyer. I do not know what to put on your website in terms of your copywriting. So she said, yeah, okay, I'll just get my copywriting done from somewhere else. And then six months or like six, seven, eight months later, later she emailed me back and saying, uh, I got my content ready. Can you add it to the website? I said, yeah, cool. Um, here's my hourly rate. Let, let's go ahead. And then she came back saying, what? Hourly rate? What are you talking about? I already paid for the project. Like, add it in. Just add it in. I was like, listen, in the contract, it said you only get free support after one month. I don't know if it was one month or two months, but it's for a limited amount of time after the project is complete. That's when you get free support. After that, you will incur an additional charge, which is what it said on the contract. 
And she just got really, really angry, I think, and a bit aggy. And so I was saying, what? No, what value have you ever provided for me? Um, I'm going to send you a letter of defamation. And she did. She sent me like an email. It was an email of defamation at the time. But she sent me like an email saying, oh, this is what you've done by one of her lawyers in a firm. And then what happened at that time, because this was like six, seven months later, I happened to get like a, a few more clients from there. And one of the clients happened to be like, he, he, he was such a chill guy. Like he, he was super blessed. And what happened was he owned a law firm. So he didn't work in it. That was one of his businesses, but he owned a law firm. I'm not sure, Jack, are you like a big football fan or? I mean, I support Newcastle, but you know. All oh, right, I see. <laughs> Yeah. But those that watch football, um, if you know the owner of Chelsea, his name is Abramovich, and he's the richest person in Russia. And during the time of my lawsuit, he was also going through a lawsuit. <laughs> and the lawyer that represented him worked in one of my clients' firm. So my client, he owned this law firm where the lawyer of the richest man in Russia, um, where, where he represented the richest man in Russia. So I called him, I said, yo, like, I got this client, she's t- taking a piss and whatnot. He was like, bro, so let me handle it. And then I was like, cool. So he got his lawyer involved, he emailed her, and he sorted it at the end, although there was a little bit of back and forth, but he sorted it at the end. And then at the end, bear in mind at this time, I'm 18, bro. I was out of school. I had literally was just in my room alone. I wasn't really going out. It was COVID, isn't it? So I wasn't really going out. I was just focusing on my work. And I was stressed, bro. Like, I remember I used to just go on walks. I never go on walks. I was just going on walks. Like, oh, my, what is going on? This and that. And um, yeah, at the end, we agreed. I have to remove all of her intellectual property from my website because I did have like a portfolio, uh, her, her project on my website. So I had to remove that and also her logo. And I remember the final email that she sent me was saying, I don't want to be associated with your shit brand. Take my website off your website. I was like, what? Sure. Right? So I literally told her like, this is just whatever. But I just, bear in mind, during this entire email thread, I was completely polite. I was 100% professional, completely polite. I didn't use one curse word. I didn't say anything wrong. I was completely 100% polite, but on the other hand, she was, I don't know what she was doing. That is so random. Like, that story had so many <laughs> Why? Okay, like, maybe this is the obvious question, but why didn't you just do the, like, you were literally putting copy into divs, right? Like, what, why mm-hmm. didn't you just do that? You're right. You're right. That is a question that I also asked myself, and I was going to do it. But bear in mind, firstly, this club was really annoying, so I didn't, I didn't want to work with them, like, so I was like, you know what, if I, if I am going to work with them, I might as well just get paid. On top of that, I should have clarified it. There wasn't only copy. There was copy, but then she also wanted to make like a CMS for like the blog and add all of the blog posts there and stuff. So there was a bit more than copy, just like copy pasting a uh, text in, in, in the Webflow site. So yeah, that, that, that was the reason. But I can't like the main reason was I just didn't really want to work with her. So yeah, pretty much. Okay, that's so rogue, that whole story. At 18 as well, like getting sued. I'd be shitting myself. Can we circle back to something you said at the start of this, where you were talking about doing a lot of cold outreach and saying it was a complete Mm -hmm. waste of time. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people that are listening to this or watching this, they might be like, wait, why Mm -hmm. is cold outreach a waste of time? And if it is a waste of time, what do you recommend doing in terms Mm -hmm. of attaining clients? I got the perfect answer to that. And I think I've cracked the code into why outreach is complete bullshit. The thing is, outreach works, but not with websites. And I'll tell you the reason why. With outreach, you have a very limited amount of words you can say. So you have a very limited amount of time to convince a client. right? And in that limited amount of time, it's very easy for an ad agency. If you're on an ad agency, you can easily go on the client and say, oh, um, hi, I see, you have, I see you work in the jewelry industry. Here's a case study of a jury industry of, of another jury company that we increased their revenue by X amount to X amount. 
So it's very easy for a ad company or or another you know uh, company to bring in qu- quantitative results. When you're in the website industry, there is no quantitative results. Yes, you can say bounce rate. Yes, you can say you increase conversions, but there's no direct correlation on the website, right? So it's very hard to sell websites with a very limited amount of time. And on top of that, design is very subjective. So not every single client will like your, your website that you send them via cold email. With an ad, you can say, yes, I increased this uh, company's revenue by a thousand percent through Facebook ads. Who is not going to like that? But then on the other hand, if I send them a website that I done, the client liked it, but I send it to them and they might not like it. So it's a lot, there's a lot of caveats and it's very subjective because websites do not have much, if any, quantitative results. It's very hard to sell it with a very limited amount of time through the medium of cold outreach. And on top of that, it's very saturated as well. Like whenever, for example, even yourself, Jack, like I'm sure that you get like some outreach emails and cold emails. Your bullshit meter, whenever I receive, at least whenever I receive a cold email, is 100%. And it's very hard to reduce that, you know, unless like you have a very interesting offer or whatnot, it's very hard to kind of reduce my bullshit meter whenever a random person that I don't know emails me. So saying that, the way to kind of go about your outreach actually before i get into that even if your outreach does work let's say you do get a client let's say you do get another client right it's very it has a very low roi there's um there's much much better ways to invest your time that can get you way better results and i can name a few of them right now so the number one way i found to kind of put your name out there is clonables and demo sites or sample web- websites, whatever you want to call it, right? The main problem, right, with a freelancer when or an agency owner when they're starting to create is that they have no portfolio items. Your portfolio is the foundation and life of your business when you're in this industry, right? Without a portfolio, your, your engine is gone, right? Because you have no work to show, you know? It's like, imagine a car dealership having no cars. Your portfolio, your work is your life in, 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 in uh, this business. And when you have no clients, this kind of like ever never ending circle, right? Comes in. Oh, I don't have a portfolio. Let me get clients. Oh, I can't get clients. I have no portfolio. So the way to kind of bake through that is to kind of design your own projects and build fake websites for white websites for fake clients. And a lot of people, when, when, when they hear this, they say, oh, but it's they're fake clients though. A lot, a lot of clients will, you know, not really look at, but trust me, I've seen this so many times. Clients do not care if your website is for a fake company, as long as you see good design with good workflow development, they don't give a shit, I'm telling you right now. So the undoubtedly, the best way is to create demo sites and clonables. Great stuff. And then from the demo sites and clonables, you've obviously mm-hmm. got you know a fuller portfolio. But uh-huh. for anyone watching now, I mean, obviously the, the ideal scenario is that clients will then email you and say, hey, we want to work with you. Did you did you find that at the start? I mean, you built clonables, you had demo um, yeah. sites, and then people just came to you. Was that naturally how it happened, or did you start yeah. posting your clonables yeah. and demos on LinkedIn, on Twitter, or what was the next step? Yes, clients did come to me through you know the Webflow showcase through LinkedIn, whatnot. They see they, they see uh, my work and say, okay, you know what, this guy's good. Another th- another very very good um, revenue source for me was. Freelancer platform, so Upwork, you, uh, Juno is a good one as well. There's a bunch of free, freelance platforms I used to, that, that I have accounts with. I don't really use it anymore. With these platforms, whenever I used to create demos, I used to put I used to put those projects on it, and then clients would reach out to me. Or I, whenever I used to apply for a proposal, at least I have assets to back me up. And I know I said don't do outreach, but I used to do. I do used to send cold emails to very very few selected people or companies. 
for example, a company that I see, okay, they're, they're like perfect for me. They're based in London. I remember there's one company, right, where the owner was a dentist. I'm a dental student. That's perfect. He was Asian. I'm Asian. He's similar age. I'm a similar age. And he, he was based in London as well. So I, I reached out to him and I got the project. So it's very, very, my outreach was very, very um, um, targeted. But the only reason that outreach worked is because I had those demos as Chronicles to back me up. Okay, let's move swiftly on. Tell me about failure three, being constantly rejected for being too young. Oh, oh man, I, I don't really like talking about my age anymore because I feel like, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of like pick me behavior. But anyways, um, <laughs> my age, yeah. So when I first started, I was at 17, 18 and nobody or no real clients used to tell me, oh, you are 18. I do not like you. I do not want to work with you. But you could always get that sense of, yeah, like these people are a lot older. You know, you, you could get that patronizing sense from a lot of people. So, I mean, naturally, when you are young, people will kind of automatically assume that you don't know much or they will 100% assume that you that they know more than you just because I'm younger than them. Because of that, it was very hard to kind of convince clients and be seen as the expert. So because of that, I feel like I got rejected a lot, you know. Um, I remember I used to send, you know, as I said, like proposals and whatnot. I remember there was this, I remember clearly there was one project where I think it was an Upwork. It was going super, it was going amazing. As soon as I mentioned my age, I thought it was going to be, oh, they might respect me because I'm hustling when I'm young. That's not, that wasn't the case. I said my age. They said, um, oh, unfortunately, unfortunately, we had to make like, we went with someone else out of nowhere. Like it was like going so well. So there's a lot of stuff um, that comes with being young. Like you, yeah, I think the main thing is that people kind of assume that you don't know much or that they automatically know more than you just because you're younger than them. And I mean, it's interesting that like a lot of people reacted to that with rejection, because as you said, Mm -hmm. they may have been like, wow, you know, kudos to you, like really appreciate Mm -hmm. uh, how young you are and the quality of the work you're doing. Do you think the age has held you back more than it's maybe given you a platform as a young person who's doing what you're doing? I think it's a bit of uh, it's, it's very bittersweet. Because on one hand, yes, you can leverage your age, which I do leverage my age quite a lot. But you, you can leverage your age in a way where you can say, OK, yeah, I'm at 20. This is what I'm doing. This is what I've achieved. Um, and you do get a lot of respect automatically like anyone would. Like whenever I see a young person on Twitter, LinkedIn doing good, I automatically have an, a, a lot of respect for them because I know that it's very hard to do it when you're young. And I respect anyone who's young doing something with their life. So, yeah, you do get a lot of respect you know, people do respect you in, in, no, I wouldn't say respect, but they say, oh yeah, like you're doing a lot of stuff for your age. But then at the same time, when money gets involved, it's like, oh, do I really want to trust like a, uh, you know, a 20, 19 year old with my money, 5,000 pound, 10,000 pound, you know? Yeah, it is, it is, it is bittersweet. The sweet side is yes, I can leverage my age to, in my content and I can get a bigger personal brand. And the, the bitter side of it is clients automatically just have lower trust than you. For example, if there was a clone of me, right? And I'm 20, there was another person who's 35. Clients will choose the person who's 35, let's be real. So yeah, it is, it is bitter in that sense. And just out of interest then, in terms of you know building your personal brand, where is your direction as, well, I guess, agency owner slash YouTuber slash creative? Where do you see mm-hmm. you know the next year or so going? 
Oh, I do not know. Um, <laughs> that's a very good question. I think for me, everything that I do is literally because I, I enjoy it and I think it's fun. Who knows what, where I'm going to be in a year or two. I'm just going to continue what, I, what I'm doing. There is one thing that I can say, which is that something that I'm working on right now with a good friend of mine, Vimalin, you know, my co-host of, of uh, TalkFlow. Yeah. We're building a, a platform. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, spoil it a bit too much. Um, but yeah, we already got the idea. We already got the name and the domain. So any, anyone that's trying to steal it, you know, go away. But uh, yeah, we've got this platform that we're, that we're trying to build. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to be releasing that quite soon. Perhaps, perhaps still in the summer, I think before September or definitely by the end of the year, we'll have the platform fully out there. So yeah, we're building a platform. That's something I'm very excited to work on. It's kind of like a SaaS software type company where it's going to be like a subscription model and whatnot. So like, yeah, I'm very excited for that to be released. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before. So I ho- hopefully not. But yeah, I'm excited to build that. There's just a lot of different stuff that I want to do. Definitely, I want to start like my own YouTube channel um, as well, like my own personal one outside of talk flow where I just talk about anything that I want really I'm really into like the whole productivity and like self-improvement type of stuff as well so I kind of want to make videos around that but I also really enjoy seeing as I said many times I really enjoy seeing young people doing good stuff so I kind of also want to kind of do something in in that kind of area as well I think I talked about this in the podcast with Emily a lot of people my age especially with the people that I come from people with my background they cannot see any other way to make money or have a good life apart from, you know, going to uni, getting a job. And I know I'm very hypocritical with that because I do currently go uni. But I just want to show young people, I kind of want to be like, not I want to say role model, but I kind of want to be like the, the example that people use. Oh, yeah, look, look at this person. He was from the same era as you. He was the same age as you. And look what he done, you know. I kind of want to be an inspiration for young people that, okay, there is a way to kind of make good money, enjoy your life without being tied to like a nine to five. For the people that enjoy growth as much as I do, a nine to five is 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 not the one for you. So yeah, I just want to be, uh, I just want to inspire young people to kind of you know look at me and say, oh wow, like there is a bunch of cool shit that I can do even when I'm young. <laughs> so well, let's get into the community questions, quick fire community questions. Awesome. This is the first time I'm gonna. I've, I've done this on the podcast so we'll just cool. see how it goes what i'm going to do is ask you some questions that i've been sent by people for so, you and i'm just cool. going to like quick fire style it's not like you cool. have to answer in you know 30 seconds or less or anything but if you can just give us like kind of quick shot of it okay are you ready to go yeah okay cool. i'm ready i'm ready let's go okay who should be your first agency hire if you're starting an agency the person that the person oh man oh shit i wanted i wanted this to be quick but the person that's a tough question to be fair it is a tough question but i know i'm just trying to articulate it the person um that can do the stuff that you cannot do or hire out the person that can do the task that you hate the most or you're the worst at so if if, if you're shit at design hire a designer if you're shit at webflow hire hire a webflow or so okay great um, what one piece of advice would you give a freelancer starting out? Oof. Do great work, the rest will fall into place. Perfect. And frankly, if you've just jumped into this YouTube channel, uh, you should go back to the start because he actually answers that question in way more detail. Mm, um, way more detail. <laughs> yeah, way more detail. Which web flowers are not getting recognized that should be? Vimalin, that's my guy. Vimalin, I feel like me as well, but Vimalin, me, Jack, 
Um, there's a lot of other people as well that I cannot think of. Oh, shit. Um, Hoshi as well, he's an amazing workflow developer from India. He's inspired a lot of people. He's doing great work. So, yeah. Vimalin, Hoshi, me and Jack. Easy. <laughs> cool. um, who are your favorite YouTubers at the moment? Ooh, does it have to be workflow? No, no. Can be any, any YouTuber. Oh, my favorite YouTubers at the moment is Hamza. First man, I love first man. And in terms of workflow, I also throw throw a few uh, workflow people in there. Definitely, I would say Paint Digital, Painting Clocksmith on YouTube, and also yeah. John D. Saunders, Five Four Digital. He's amazing as well. And obviously, FinSuite. Yeah. What's the favorite tool that you're currently using? My favorite tool that I'm currently using. I mean, apart from workflow, I don't. I don't want to say workflow or Figma or Notion because those are so generic. Yeah, but let's mix it up. Oh man, this is hard. What tool am I using? Oh, I know. Tweethunter.io. Amazing tool for, for, for Twitter. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Tweethunter.io. Who is your perfect client? My perfect client is a client that has, I was going to say that has money, but that's not really necessary. For me, the perfect client is a healthcare technology company that has some funding and they want an amazing website. Um, that has a team of around five to ten. Oh, no, no, no. What am I talking about? Ten plus employees. But yeah, like a, um, for me, my, my perfect company would be like a healthcare technology company, a health tech company that obviously has the budget. Yeah. Okay. Who is your worst client? My worst client. I mean, it, apart from that stupid lawyer, I know you're watching this, that stupid lawyer. It was probably, I mean, oh, oh, like my worst client, like in, in general, it, it, it will probably be like a lawyer. I can't lie. Like a I do not work like working with lawyers anymore ever since that. So a lawyer. Great. And what music should you listen to while you are working? Oh, um, I would say listen to binaural beats, which is just like, you know, music for the brain. Um, just like, you know, little beats. So yeah, just listen to binaural beats. And this is just a question for me. What is the number one productivity app that you would recommend people? notion for sure notion like okay um yeah notion yeah i literally have everything organized on my notion all my processes all my project excuse me project management everything notion the final question for you before we wrap this thing up is what is your next failure going to be Oof, that is a good question i think i'm going to I think it's going to be a problem in the hiring side of things. I believe that I'm going to like, perhaps there's going to be a problem with like the team where like somebody can't, like I'm going to, I'm going to get the wrong hire or, or, you know, I'm going to do some mismanagement with, you know, the team because it's, it's something that I'm quite new to. Um, you know, I've never worked in a job. I've never worked in anything else apart from Webflow. So it's like, I, I don't really have much experience. So I think that the next failure for me is definitely going to be the thing that I'm most inexperienced at, which is hiring and running a team. So I think it's either going to be a fault in my management skills for a team or me doing, you know, or, um, uh, hiring the wrong person. Thanks for listening to episode seven of Webflow with Shay Samad. This episode is particularly powerful because Chase is so young. He's not only grown an agency to 8k a month recurring revenue, but has done so while in his second year of university, studying dentistry. 
What the fuck? He shrugs off his failures and focuses more on what he has learned from them than the failures themselves, a common trait among successful webflowers. If you are young and don't think people will take you seriously or pay you to entrust their website design and development for you, look at Chase as an example of how wrong you are. If you want inspiration, business advice, and Webflow jobs direct to your inbox, sign up for the Webflail Roundup at webflail.com. This is a weekly newsletter designed for you to take your Webflow freelancing to the next level. I hope it helps. Next week, I'll be interviewing Corey Moen, Senior Designer at Webflow. Join us at 5pm BST on YouTube next Thursday to talk about some epic failures from Corey's career. Until next week, Webflailers.